Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Let's hear it. Amen. Let's hear it. There we go. Amen. Let's, let's hear it. That's in the word. <laughs> he ain't lying, right? So, so, so we're supporting. Is that all right? Let's go. Good morning, Celebration Church. Good morning. It's Memorial Day weekend, and you guys are in church at 8.30 in the morning. Go ahead and give yourselves a pat on the back for that one. Um, As you've uh, seen, I am not Pastor Roger. My name is Jordan, and I have the absolute honor of speaking with you today. The last few months, God has been speaking to me, and if it's all right with you, I'd like to share that. Is that all right? All right, good. That'd be super awkward if none of you were like, you guys were like, no, no, get out of here. If you're not a believer in the room, uh, I want to invite you to sit Sit back and enjoy how, how God, or how we want to speak about you, how we, how we want believers to think about you. If you are a believer in the room, I believe that God has a mission for your life. He wants to shift your expectation on how you see people in your life. And he wants to use you as a blessing to those around you. A little bit about me. I was born and raised in Idaho. About half of you guys just started paying attention to me when I started saying that. I went, I, I, born and raised, Idaho kid. I also remember when that was a field. Uh, and I went to Valley View High School here in Caldwell. I graduated from there. I played sports all, all throughout. I, when I was seven, I started playing football and really enjoyed that. When I was in eighth grade, I decided I wanted to try wrestling. And I wasn't, I was by no means great at it. I wasn't terrible, but I wasn't great. I, I, had, a lot of, I had a lot of heart. <laughs> but I remember my, my junior year of high school, I started, or I ended up wrestling at the biggest tournament in Idaho, which it's called Raleigh Lane. It's bigger than the state tournament uh, because there are schools not only all around Idaho that come, but all around Washington and Oregon, and they, they wrestle at this tournament. And my first match, I had, I drew the fifth seed in the tournament. So he was projected to be fifth place. He was the fifth best guy there. I was not even good enough to be in that ranking. They just stuck me in there. They're like, cool. And I didn't have a lot of moves. I wasn't an encyclopedia of moves, but I did know one pretty well. It was called a key lock throw. And so I go out there and I 
start wrestling this guy. It's the first round. He's strong. And I get him in this, in this position, a key, uh, key lock throw. And I feel, like, I feel like you guys aren't really getting what I'm demonstrating here. Clark, can I have you come up here? I'm, I'm just kidding. 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 Uh, so, so the thing about a key lock th throw, you get them locked in. And if you throw them this way, you wait for them to push into you. If you throw them this way, you, they end up on their back. You end up pinning them. You get glory. You move on to move. Do successful things in life. Be great. It's incredible. If you throw it to this side, you end up on your back. You end up getting pinned. And you end up out of the tournament in the first round. So I was, I was, I got him locked in tight. I'm like, here we go. He pushes against me. I, I can already see it. I'm like, this is it. I'm going to win. I'm going to beat the next guy. I'm going to beat the next guy. I'm going to beat the next guy. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be state champion after this. What? This is crazy. And I got so caught up in, oh, here we go. I threw him to the wrong side. And I ended up getting pinned in the first round of the, of the tournament in the first round of the match. I went out there and I completely missed my mission. I feel like we can all miss our missions sometimes. We can get caught up in the wrong thing and end up on our back out of the tournament in the first round. Maybe for you, you got your spouse the best anniversary gift, but you forgot her anniversary. Or you got the best birthday gift for your husband and you forgot his bir birthday. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> Maybe... <clears throat> Yeah, no, no, no. Maybe, maybe you spent so much time working so that you could give your kids a better life that you forgot to spend time with them. Maybe you caught, caught, caught up in gaining glory so that people would know your name and who you are, but you've never felt more alone. I'd like to read to you uh, about someone in Scripture who completely missed their mission as well. And this is about out of the book of Luke where Jesus is telling a parable of the rich man and a man named Lazarus. Bear with me as I read. Like I said, I was born and raised in Idaho. So I was born in the Idaho education system. The other, the other half of the audience just started paying attention, though, you see? All right, this is Luke chapter 16, verse 19. And it might be, okay, it's on the, it's on the projector word, cool. And Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Something I want to draw attention to already is there are two men in the story, but we only know the name of one. We know Lazarus, we know his name, but we only know the accolades of the other. We know that he's a man of stature, wealth, he lived in luxury, and likely had accomplished many things. We also know he walked by Lazarus, a poor man, diseased at his gate every single day. And the parable continues and says, 
Finally, the, Lord, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. And when he went to the place of the, or and he went to the place of the dead, there in torment, he saw Abraham in a far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, "Father Abraham, have some pity! Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames." But Abraham said to him, "Son, remember that during your lifetime." You had everything you wanted, you had, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is, to, someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent from their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Seems pretty tough, huh? What's happening here? is the rich man spent his whole life acquiring wealth, living in luxury, living life to its fullest by the world's standards. But he missed one thing. He missed the point. He missed his mission. His mission was not to gain the world. His mission was at his gate. His mission was a poor man named Lazarus at his gate longing for scraps. God doesn't look at what we've built, our gated communities, our big houses. He looks at the heart. So I'd like to ask you, who are you in the story? Allow me to suggest that you're not Lazarus. Have you received Jesus in your heart? Have you been transformed by Christ in your life? Then friend, you are very rich indeed. All of us who have received Christ have something to give. And you may say, I don't have anything to give. I, I really have nothing to offer people. And I'd say that you're wrong. In saying you have nothing to offer, you are saying that God has given you nothing. That he didn't form you to carry out his mission here on earth. And you are all called to a mission. A mission at your gate. So that leaves us with a question. Who is at your gate? Who is it that needs to be shown the love of Christ? Who have you overlooked? Maybe in your workplace, an employee, a coworker, a boss. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's in your friendships. I think we can get so caught up in what our mission is in life what we need to accomplish, what we need to gain. But our mission as believers is not a what, it's a who. Who, who is our mission? Who needs the love of Christ? Who needs to be comforted? Who needs what you have? Who is at your gate? 
I want Jesus to reference me by my name and not just the accolades, not things that I just built while I was here. And I want to be a church that isn't just active on Sunday, but a church that is active in our families, active in our friendships, active in our workplace. Out of curiosity, who here was introduced to a relationship with Christ because a friend invited you to church? Show of hands, show of hands. You were all someone's mission. You were all at someone's gate. And it doesn't have, you don't have to be an extraordinary communicator to, to, to reach out to someone at your gate. It can be simple. It can be praying for someone in need, telling them your story and how God has affected you, inviting them to church, say, come and see what the Lord is doing. And I'd like to close with this passage out of Matthew 25. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will, he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Celebration Church, who is at your gate? And what would it look like if we believers pursued those at our gate? What if we, what if we went after them with the same fervent love that God pursues you? What would happen in their life if they were introduced to an encounter with God and they received God's love for them? We would, we would have transformed workplaces We'd have transformed families. We'd have transformed friendships. And we'd have a transformed city. So if you'd stand with me, I'd like to pray. Father, I just come before you and I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of your people. God, I ask that in each and every mind right now, the Spirit would come and place a face to them. You would reveal to them who is at their gate, who their mission is. Lord, and that you would equip us with the boldness to pursue those. Lord, that, that when we speak to them, it would be you and not us. It would be your words to them. Lord, and that through that, everything would change. God, I pray that you would just lift these people up. 
Lord, and, and give them a boldness that they've never had to pursue those at their gate. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go, Jordan. Come on. Who is at your gates? Man, Jordan, I'm so proud of you. That was, that was incredible. That was so incredible. Good morning, everyone. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for today. My name is Derek. I'm part of the team here at Celebration Church. And, and I, uh, so if you're new or visiting, a huge warm welcome to you. Thank you for spending part of your Memorial Day with us. As you see, things are a little different here. Not only are we missing a wall, but, uh, you know, we're not the pastors here. And so thank you, Pastor Roger, for giving us this opportunity and a platform to share. But I'm, I'm believing for today that a little of what God's been speaking to me over the last handful of months will hopefully speak to you. That during my own season of growth, that God will grow something deep within you, like a seed planted deep within your heart, that it will birth and, and grow into a beautiful oak of the promises of God. I pray that as you walk out of here today, there would be a hope that you can trust God even when he seems silent and the outcome seems unknown. The prompt that we had today was, what has God been speaking to you? And I feel like God's been giving me this question often in my life, and it's, will I trust his plan even though I can't see the outcome? Will I trust this plan even though I can't see the outcome? Something that many of you, actually, I don't think many, any of you know this about me. Maybe, I think maybe Clark and maybe Pastor Roger, but it's a little vulnerable. But um, so I, I did school in Australia. That was supposed to be a much better joke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows. I talk about it all the time. I lived in Australia for six years, and I, I talk about it often. I think I speak about Australia just as much as Pastor Roger speaks about being from Alaska. Oh, almost, I mean almost. I know like, we get it, you're better than us. The lower 48 are terrible. I didn't grow up like munching on moose meat over here. Like, I don't know what you guys do up there, but like, I get it, I get it, you know, Alaska. I, I, talk, a lot about, I talk a lot about Australia though because it, it shaped me of who I am. Like genuinely, it shaped me of who I am. The majority of my 20s were spent there. I, I felt like I walked with God in a new, beautiful way that I've never experienced before. And I had this fear when I was leaving, though. I had this fear that I was going to leave God in Australia. I was going to leave him behind. That for some reason, a plane would be the, the, the kicker, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to jump on there with me. That that would be the height of our relationship. I thought that my time in Australia was a monument something to keep going back of, oh, I need to go back to Australia. Oh, like, this is what it was. This was what it was, was. And a friend of mine, he's actually in the room. He encouraged me. He's like, Derek, that's not a monument. It's actually just a signpost. Like, God's pointing you. He's not done. Like, there's so much more to God, what's ahead of you than what's behind you. So when I was leaving, when I was leaving Australia, I'm, I'm on the plane, and <laughs> I'm on the plane, and it's, it's raining outside, and we're looking over the harbor, and we're flying away, and and I'm listening to sad music. What a classic. I'm listening to good Green Day, Good Riddance, Time of Our Life. If you, if you don't know what that is, go to any graduation right now in this season. It's the song they play at the end. I guarantee it. And I'm like, just, I'm crying. Like, classic. And those who know me are like, yeah, that, that's on brand. Um, I'm just crying. I was like, having this moment, like, 
tears are falling down my face. They're on the window. I'm like, am I in a 90s music video right now? Like, what is happening? But, and I was leaving because I, I genuinely felt and still do feel that God has called me here to this place at this time. And maybe that's something similar to you, where you don't, maybe whatever season you're in right now, you're like, I have to trust God going into something unknown. I have to trust God going into the unknown. Maybe, like I said, you're in this room and you can relate. Maybe there's a family situation and you just don't know how to navigate it. You're like, Lord, this seems insurmountable. Or maybe you just moved here from California and you're like, man, these Idahoans, can they know how to zipper merge, please? Like, we could get more cars through the light if they just zipper merge. These guys are crazy. Or, or maybe more on a serious note, maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you're like, it, it's, looking, it's not looking good. Or you've been giving, given a life-altering medical diagnosis and it looks grim. Or, or maybe you aren't a believer in this room and, and you're just exploring your faith, but you, you realize, man, this is, it's hard to trust right now. It's hard to trust. Or maybe like many of us, you just thought life was gonna look different than it does now and you're disappointed. I feel like these last few months, God has been teaching me to trust in him. And in doing so, he's having me rest in the Psalms. He's having me rest in the Psalms. And what are the Psalms? They are a collection of poetry within your Bible. They're in the Old Testament, and they have profound, profound help for us today. The Psalms express every human emotion. They express, just to name a few, love, joy, sorrow, sadness, excitement, disappointment, and hope. A psalm, at the simplest meaning, means to make music or to sing praise. The psalms are written within the time of Israel, the nation's history, by people like King David. We have Psalms 23, the famous, the Lord is my shepherd. Or by people groups, the sons of Korah. So I'll be referring to authors of different psalms today as the psalmists. The psalmists. Because what I want us to do is I want us to think like the psalmist today. Different types of psalms. There's hymns, so praises to God, or laments where we, we cry out our sorrow, or psalms of remembrance, or psalms of praise, psalms of confidence. The psalms appeal to the whole person. They demand a response. The psalms inform our intellect. They arouse our emotion. They direct our wills, and they stimulate our imagination. I believe that when we read the Psalms with faith, we come away changed, not simply informed. We come away changed, not just informed. Thus, the Psalms are a sort of literary sanctuary in the scriptures. They are a place where God meets with his people in a special way, where his people will address him with their praises and their sorrows. They provide a mere to our soul. They show us what is in us. In all different seasons, we can relate to the psalmist. In a season where you're having a hard time trusting God, or when he seems absent, do you cry out to the, do you cry out to God? The psalmists are so real and raw. Psalms 44, 23, 26 says this, awake Lord, why do you sleep? I've never been so raw and honest with God in the last couple months. Awake, Lord, why are you sleeping? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget 
our misery and oppression. We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us because of your unfailing love. Happy to be in church today. So great. But they're, they're so raw and authentic. Or Psalms 22. It should be very well known. Jesus quoting this on the cross as well. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Have you ever been that real with God before? Lord, where, where are you? Are you asleep still? What's going on? What I find fascinating, which we don't have too much time to get into it, is that the people of Israel would use these psalms as praise and worship to God. He's not afraid of your questions, friend. He's not afraid of you being raw and honest and authentic. I want to remind us all of a core nature of the God that we serve. And I hope that this builds your faith. That the God that we serve is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. Again, the psalmist attests to this point. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose words I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Psalms 9, 9 through 10 says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Whew, that's some good. Whatever situation you are facing, know that you can put your trust in God. Psalm 59, 16, 17. But I sing of your strength in the morning. I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praises to you, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. He is trustworthy, church. Yet, if we're honest, there are still times where God seems quiet and distant. Again, the psalmists recount these feelings. Psalms 35, 22, 24 says, Lord, you've seen this, talking about being oppressed. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake, rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God, my Lord. Vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord. Do not let them gloat over me. As I'm, as I'm flying back to America, leaving, leaving everything I knew, leaving my friends, my comfort, this, this time I met with God, this amazing moment, I had, I had this, uh, this flight attendant come up to me. His name is Dan, this big New Zealand guy, and he comes up to me, I'm weeping like in my chair. He's like, oh, hey, bro, you okay? And I was like, Dan, I am not okay. Let me tell you, I am not okay. He's like, here's some tissues. And, and I just told him, I was like, yeah, I'm leaving everything. I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to trust again. And I felt like God just put something in me. That, Derek, I am taking you from a land of familiar. And I'm going to move you to the land of the unknown. So that you have to rely on me again. You're trying to do this in your own strength again. So I changed my music. Probably should have started with that. Turned off the Green Day. I turned sorry. <laughs> I turned off the Green Day and I, I put on I put on some worship music and and Maverick City promises. Man, what a great song. Maverick City promises. And there's a little line, not even in the lyrics of the song, it's just someone saying it in the background. And it, it hit me and I just I start crying more. 
And it says, seasons change, but you remain the same. Your season of life is going to change, but you remain the same. Hebrews 13, 6 to 8 attests to this point. So we can say with confidence, and the author of Hebrews is now quoting the Psalms. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the examples of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How do you trust God when he seems quiet? May I suggest a few things that we can change? I think that will help build your trust in God. Now, what would it look like for your life to trust God when the outcome seems unclear? The first thing that I believe that we can change is your calendar. Let's set a time and place, friends. You're going to hear this. If you're around the church at any moment, set a time and place. Let's change your calendar. Put, put a time and place with God on there. You want your trust with God to grow? Immerse yourself in this word. May I suggest to start with the Psalms. The second one is to change your perspective. Let's change our perspective. Silence often is a matter of perspective. In a sense, God is never silent. We have this thing called the cross, the death, the life, the burial, the ascension, the resurrection of Jesus. That was not a silent act. That was an act that he, he changed the landscape of humanity in that moment. He rescued us from sin and death and the grave for a new life in him. That is not a silent moment with God. I know for myself, often I probably need to stop talking and start listening. Maybe to turn my ears to the words God is speaking. He might be silent or quiet on one specific topic, but he's shouting from another one. I see this in my life. Lord, when is this going to change? Lord, when is this going to happen? I'm almost obsessed with what's going on. And, and God's over here like, son, remain in me. Son, abide in me. Son, I got you. Trust in my process. So we change our calendar. We change our perspective. We change our environment. Now, I'm not saying to, to, to jump back on a plane to Australia or anything like that or, or to, to leave away from a healthy place. What I'm saying is change your environment. Maybe your environment is not a healthy place. I would, I would suggest to gather around people. Join community. Get around people that can encourage you in the Lord. June 11th, groups are coming up. It's a great time to sign up for them. But, but get around people that can be that voice for you. If you can't encourage yourself, or you're like, man, this seems distant. I don't know. God, where are you at? Get around the people in here that we've been seeking. Lord, your faithfulness is there. And if you still feel like there is no one for that, you, for that role in your life, let me fill the gap. If you've lost all hope, I'm, I'm here to remind you today that God is for you, that he is with you, that he is good and he will not abandon you. His promises will come to pass. He is the faithful one. His perspective is higher than yours. He is the beginning, the end, walking behind you, beside you, and before you, guiding you along this path. Trust in his process. And you know what? Spoiler alert, we know the end. We know the end. To sum up Revelation 21, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, all these things gone forever. The one sitting on the throne, the faithful one, look, 
I am making a new thing. Write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He, it is finished. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. To all who are thirsty, I give freely from the springs of water of life. And lastly, as the team would join. Lastly, I think one of the best things we can change to build our trust in God when he seems silent is to change our focus. We want to think like the psalmist and behave like the psalmist. We're going to model what the psalmist does. At the end of most psalms, most psalms, they end with what's called a refrain of praise. Even though their situation might look grim or bleak or uncertain, they still get up and praise God. The psalmists urge us to a participatory, enthusiastic worship. Many of them, like I said, turn from distress to hope, from distress to hope. So if you would stand with me today, what I want us to do is I'm going to pray a psalm over us, and then we are going to respond with praise. I believe it moves us from a preoccupation with our troubles, a focus on our troubles, into a patient, steadfast hope for the future. Psalm 63 says this. Oh God, you are my God. If you would, just lift your hands as a posture of receiving. For us, Lord, this is our prayer. God, you are our God. Lord, we earnestly seek you. Lord, our soul thirsts for you. Our whole body longs for you in a land that is dry and weary where there's no water. Lord, we have seen you in your sanctuary. We have gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love for us is better than life itself. Lord, how we praise you. We praise you as long as we live, lifting up hands to you in prayer. You, Lord, you satisfy us more than a richest feast. We will praise you with songs of joy. We will praise you with songs of joy. Celebration Church, let's respond in worship. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.